Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Hallelujah. You know, two songs spoke to me mightily and they remind me of a tale that I want to share with us. Jesus who died, now, now what? Glorified, king of all kings. And then this last one. It reminds me of a tale of two kings. Two kings who lived in the past and who both died at the age of 33. One of them was our own Jesus. And the other one was Alexander the Great. One of them fought with a sword to conquer the world and be the king of all the world. He slaughtered many. He made many into slaves and servants. The other one became a servant. He gave his life for many that he might become king. Two kings, both wanting dominion over the world. One using human power and strength and strategy, the other going another way. Now over 2,000 years down the line, where is Alexander the Great? Where are all the kingdoms he conquered? Where are all the slaves who served him? Where are all the kings who bowed to him? But what about Jesus? See what we are singing about him. Even after 2,000 years, he's still capturing our hearts. We still want to live for him. Jesus who died, now glorified, is King of Kings forever. Hallelujah. What a wonderful God we serve. What a wise, wise God. The wisdom of God will always supersede the best strategies of man. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you that you are still capturing our hearts today. Not by the sword. Not by words of human wisdom, not through trickery, not through enticement with gold or silver, but by your great love for us, because you went to the cross for us, because you sacrificed yourself for us. Today we are in love with you as well. We want to follow you, we want to serve you, we want to be in your presence all the days of our lives. Help us today, Lord, as we turn to your word. Give us insight. Give us wisdom. Give us power to be able to follow you and serve you and to work with you. Amen. Amen. So we've been looking at secrets of the kingdom of God. Our brother N.K. started us off last week and he brought us one of the secrets of the kingdom of God. Today we're going to continue. And I'm going to look at the paradox of dying to live as a secret of the kingdom. The paradox of dying to live. John 12, verse 20. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Wow, what a noble cause. Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it. And they went together to ask Jesus. 
Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come, when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Amen. You know, we live in a world where everybody tries to be smart and to look after themselves. We live in a world where it's all about us. Everybody looks out for number one, me, myself, and I. We become very, very self-centered. And one of the key things we hear around among the young people these days is YOLO. Y-O-L-O, -O, you only live once. That is the philosophy of the modern age. You only live once. So Charlie, happy yourself. Do whatever makes you happy. Life is short. That's the mindset that is pervasive these days. So now we've created a world where it's all about ourselves and what makes us happy, what pleases us. It's no more about any one true standard or any one truth. It's about what makes you happy. It's about what works for you. If it works for you, then that's okay. So long as you're not stepping on anybody's toes, that's fine. You know, make yourself happy. But this is a dangerous worldview. And I get worried when I, I look at the books that are available these days. I love to read. And I've read a lot of these self-help books. And there's a common thread among them all that runs through. It's all about self. It's how you can make yourself better. It's how you can improve yourself. And most of them by words of wisdom, good ways, not evil ways, not bad ways at all for most of them. Some of the books are so good, I've recommended them to other people. But there's always a caveat. You have to be very, very careful. Because they are designed to make you Lord and master of your own life. They are designed to teach you to take charge, to be in control and to do things that will move you forward. And there's no mention of God at all. There's no mention of the kingdom of God at all. It's all about you and us, human beings, and how we can make the world a better place. And interestingly, Greek philosophy is rising up again. Just go on Twitter. Just see some of the big books as well, around holidays books, for example. I love them. Ego is the enemy. My wife will tell her how to by my bedside. You know, the obstacle is the way. Around holiday, great books, wonderful books. But they are all very much Stoic philosophy, Greek philosophy, you know, of how you can 
You can be hard on yourself and not be emotional and just go for what you have to get. I will not condemn them because they actually do help you when you read them. I've been helped by them. But there's a danger that we have to be aware of. They are minus God. It's a subtle of the enemy to tell us that did God really say that? You can also have wisdom. You can also have knowledge. This also works. You will know between good and bad. You can make yourself a better person. You can live your best life now, right here in this world. And look at the secrets of the kingdom of God. And we find around the secrets of the kingdom of God turns this philosophy upside down on its head. It's a philosophy of dying to live. So we find great people coming to look for Jesus, which is an amazing thing. We want to meet Jesus. But Paul tells us in the Greek, they look for wisdom. And the Jews, they look for miracles. So Jesus knew what these Greeks were looking for. They were following because of his teaching, his amazing teaching. But Jesus knew his teaching would not save them. There are many today who love Jesus because of his teachings. They love his teachings. But they don't want to be Christians. They don't see why they must be born again. They don't even like the cross. They don't like the idea of heaven and hell. But they love his amazing teachings. A kind of a social gospel. Gandhi is an example of such a person. Gandhi loved Jesus and Jesus' teachings, but he wouldn't become a Christian. And he hated the church. He didn't like Christians. Which is actually bad for us. It shows that we never really lived out what Jesus wanted us to live out anyway. But the point is that there are many people who love Jesus and his teachings. They love the wisdom he gives, but they don't want Jesus himself a person. And so Jesus doesn't say, bring them in, let me see them. Rather, he sees beyond what they are looking for, and he says this. He says, Jesus replied, verse 23, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who, are not, those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Then he goes on to say, Father, glorify your name. Then he talks that, he tells us that he's going to die on the cross. So why is Jesus pointing them to the cross when all they ask why is we want to meet Jesus? And the simple answer is that Jesus knows that his words of wisdom and his teaching will not save them. He knows that. The same way he knows that a lot of the Jews who have followed him as already earlier in the chapter, lots of Jews followed him as well. The Passover Sunday. Because in the previous chapter, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so they saw a great miracle. And so they were also following him for miracles. But he knew that those miracles would not save them either. Only one thing saves. And that is the cross. And so he pointed them to the cross. Let us not miss out on the secret of the kingdom. The greatest secret of the kingdom of God is the cross. This is the whole concept of dying that we might live. It's a concept that 
we must preach every day. We must teach it every day. Because many don't understand Christianity. Many don't understand who Jesus is and why he came into the world. In Africa today, and among black Americans, there's a growing trend of Pan-Africanism and African traditional religion. Go on Facebook, go on Twitter, and you'll see it. it's growing. And they're becoming bolder and bolder in their posts as well. You know? The whole idea is that Christianity is a white man's religion. They brought it to us to subdue us and make us subservient to them. Let's kick it out. Let's go back to our roots. You know? Let's get in touch with nature. We have our own way. But there's a mistake there. There's an error there. And it's because the gospel hasn't been preached well. And interestingly, the Western world that we say brought it to come and put us down, they also are turning away from Jesus today. They're also looking elsewhere, looking for wisdom, looking for all kinds of things. Isn't that very interesting? Brothers and sisters, the key, the secret is the cross. When people understand the cross, they don't know why Jesus came. He says the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Isn't that mind-blowing? How would Jesus call going to the cross glorification? It was a shame. It was disaster. It was humiliation. And yet he says the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I want us to delve into that a little bit. Why is the cross the greatest glory ever? And that's the truth. Nothing else glorifies God like the cross. Think about the attributes of God. One of his greatest attributes is holiness. And the cross teaches us about the holiness of God. That God is so holy that sinful man cannot come close to him. A price had to be paid. Someone had to take all the sin of the world and pay the price, die on that cross, so that we might be able to come close to God. And so the cross is the highest expression of the holiness of God. If God has to kill his own son just so that his holiness will be maintained in the face of sinful men being drawn close to him. Because remember in the Old Testament, you couldn't see God and live. His presence was so holy that anyone who saw him would die at once. That's how it is. The holiness of God. And so with Moses and like that, they had to turn their backs before God would pass by. In the holies of, holy of holies, the priest could not go face forward. They had to go backwards, blindfolded, lest they see the glory of God and die. The glory of God could not be seen by sinful man and to live. And so Jesus had to come. And Jesus had to die. The cross was necessary that the holiness of God be preserved and still have unity and relationship, fellowship with sinful man. Jesus had to pay that price. And so the cross actually expresses the holiness of God. On that day when he said it is finished on the cross, the Bible tells us the curtain in the temple tore in two. The, the curtain that separated the holy of holies from the most holy place, it tore in two. And the wall between the common place, the general gathering place, and the holy place also was torn down so that now there was no difference between Jew and Gentile. Hallelujah. Remember, the Gentiles could only be in the outer court until then. But in Christ Jesus, all barriers were broken. The holiness of God. The righteousness of God is expressed in the cross as well. 
and the justice of God is expressed. So all the attributes of God are expressed fully in the cross of Christ. His mercy. No better expression of the mercy of God than the cross. His faithfulness. He promised it from the beginning that he will save humanity. The Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth was planned long ago. It wasn't an accident, the cross. It wasn't. And the fact that it happened at this time in history shows us the faithfulness of God. That when God plans something, when God decides something, when God promises something, it shall come to pass. Hallelujah. So the cross shows us again the faithfulness of God. We've talked about his holiness, his justice, his mercy, his faithfulness, his righteousness, and his wisdom as well. There's no better expression of the wisdom of God than the cross. See 1 Corinthians chapter 30, I believe it is. No, chapter 1. Around verse 30 thereabouts. It talks about Christ, the wisdom and the power of God. Hallelujah. It says the Jews look for miracles and power. The Greeks look for wisdom. And he says that Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. Because of the cross. In the cross... God showed us his wisdom. It was a big problem. It was an unsolvable equation. How can human beings who have fallen be restored back to God, the holy God? Satan thought he had won forever. He thought we would all end up with him in hell because none of us could follow the law 100%. He knew we couldn't do it. So he thought he had many people who would be with him in hell. He didn't know God had a master plan. And that was the cross. On that cross, Satan's plans were routed. Hallelujah. On that cross, the Bible says that he made a public spectacle of them. They were confounded. The wisdom of God. In that one cross, humanity was saved from hell. On that cross, the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. People like Alexander the Great, it was foolishness. If you want to conquer, you have to be strong. You have to have a strategy. You have to get a sword. You have to get guns. You have to do all kinds of things. But no. The foolishness of God is greater and wiser than the wisdom of man. God chose the way of the cross. That which seemed foolish, that which seemed like nothing, the cross, that's what he chose. I see the outcome. You and I are singing today, I want to live for you. The wisdom of God, hallelujah. And on that cross also we see the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. Brothers and sisters, the cross is the greatest manifestation of the love of God. Because on that cross, he gave himself. He died for you and I. So we see that the cross actually captures all of the attributes of God in their highest form. And yet, on the surface, you think cross, humiliation, shame, disgrace, death, defeat. That's what you would think. But see, this is the kingdom of God. We have to be spiritually aware in this kingdom that so many things that look foolish on the surface actually are the way to life. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains but a seed. Only one. It remains alone. And when it dies, 
and it gets rotten in the ground, or we think it's at its weakest, when it is finished, when it is destroyed, in darkness, it's really, really, really dark in the cell there. But it's in its darkest moment, and it's in that moment that the roots begin to come out. And the stem begins to sprout. And the leaves break through. And suddenly, it's more than just a grain of wheat. It multiplies. It becomes abundant life. Hallelujah. The paradox of dying to live. If you take that grain of wheat, you keep it somewhere because you want to preserve it, because you want to keep it, it will be there for a thousand years will remain just one. But put it in the soil, bury it, let nature take its course, let God do his miracle, and suddenly it multiplies and bears much fruit. I hope we are catching some of the secrets of the kingdom of God. He takes the most unlikely things and unlikely situations and he performs miracles out of it. He takes those things that appear foolish and he confounds the world. And so Jesus gave himself up. He went to that cross. And today, he has borne much fruit. You and I sitting here today are fruit of his death. Hallelujah. We are fruit of his death. But he goes on to tell us that what he has done is something for us to imitate. He says this. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servant must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. It's an invitation to us to lay down our lives as well. If you will gain life, you have to learn to lose it first. As a young man, one of the books I read that really, really influenced me was a biography of Jim Elliot by his wife, Elizabeth Elliot. I think it was called Shadow of the Almighty. And there's a beautiful quote in that that she writes that her husband wrote in his diary. Jim Elliot was one of, I think, four young men who were martyred in the Amazon. They went to share the gospel among people in the Amazon who were, they have never heard the gospel. They had not civilization at all. And they were cannibals, unfortunately. They killed the four men and they ate them up. His wife forgave them and actually went back into that same place years later to go and share the gospel and got many people saved. And she wrote this book. One of the quotes in that book that stayed with me is this. Jimella wrote in his diary, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, that he might gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, that he might gain what he cannot lose. Sometimes when you give up the flesh, people think that you are being foolish, but you know what you are gaining. You know what you are gaining. 
Jesus went to the ground, was buried. First of all, he went to the cross. That whole shame that he went to the ground, he was buried. He knew what he was gaining. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Hallelujah. On the surface, he will look foolish. I've heard people say that when Jesus on the cross, it is finished. It was a cry of defeat. It was like, oh, all the plans that I came to do, it's all ended. I've lost it all. What foolishness. It was a cry of victory. Hallelujah. But that cross that accomplished the greatest victory ever. He had opened the gates into the heavens that you and I can come in today. Hallelujah. Dying to live. We have to learn to die to ourselves. We have to learn to die to the world. We have to learn to die to the flesh, to the ideas of this world, the philosophies of this world. And we have to learn to die to sin. When we die in this way, then we will truly be alive. Hallelujah. There's no time to go into all these things. But just to draw attention to the secret of the kingdom, which is the paradox of dying in order to live. To remember that God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. To remember that it is in giving that we get. It is in humility that we are lifted up. These are all in the scriptures. You humble yourself and he will lift you up. It, it, it's counterintuitive. It's, it's, it's not the way you would think it should work. But that is the way of the kingdom. The kingdom is full of paradoxes. It is in surrendering that we are liberated. If you don't surrender your will to God, you will never know true freedom. But as we surrender to him, we enjoy full liberation. Hallelujah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We can go on and on and on and on and on. And we find that this principle works throughout. If you come to God, you must come knowing that you cannot do it yourself. You must come to the cross and you must surrender. There are people here today who have come to see Jesus at a great scale. We want to meet Jesus. But why do you want to meet him? Are you in need of a miracle? Is that why you want to meet him? Are you in, in, in need of wisdom? You want his great teachings. And to help you move ahead in this life. Is that why you come to him? Or he's just a beautiful, great teacher. He's just about love and caring for the poor, the social gospel. You want to be a part of that. I just want to look good like if you're a Christian you go to church Jesus wants to point you to one thing and one thing only the cross the cross the apostle Paul said for I determined to know nothing amongst you except Christ and him crucified he said I will boast in nothing except the cross of Jesus Christ the cross let's see the cross anew Let's see the cross in a new way. The cross is the answer to all of our problems. At the cross, we learn to partake in his death and his resurrection. In the cross, we learn 
to die ourselves that we might find eternal life. Have you come to the cross? Have you come to your wit's end? Or are you trying to do it by your own strength? By strength shall no man prevail. I want to introduce you to the cross. If you have never come to the cross, Jesus on the cross and surrendered completely. Say, Lord, I'm at my wit's end. I have tried and I have tried. It hasn't worked for me. Today I surrender to you. I acknowledge that I cannot do it on my own. Help me, Jesus. If you come to that place, I promise you, you would have died to yourself. You would have given up on yourself. You would have surrendered completely to human effort. And then and only then would you begin to live again. Because Christ will shine his light into your heart. He will bring his peace. He will bring his rest. He will bring his forgiveness. And he will lift you up. Because once you die with him, listen, you're going to be raised up with him again. And seated with him at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Hallelujah. You'll be brought to a place of victory and authority and power. That is our portion as Christians. So if you're here today, you have never, ever come to the cross for what it is, the place of decision, the place of crossing over from death to life. I invite you today, come to the cross. Come to the cross. We don't have time to do an altar call, but with all eyes closed, I'll just encourage you to lift your hand if you're sitting here and you want to know more about the cross and come to the cross today. At the end of the meeting, I'll have a one-on-one with you and we can talk a bit more. If you just lift your hand right now, I'll take notice of you, and then we can talk some more. You want to come to the cross. You've been coming to Jesus Sunday after Sunday. You've been reading the Bible. You've been trying to understand. And you know you have never really understood the cross. You have never come to the cross. Today may be your day to finally, finally enter, to die to yourself, that you might live eternally. Hallelujah. What a wonderful promise. Anyone just lift your hand. I'll take notice of you at the end. We can spend some time together. Hallelujah. We're coming to the end now. I just want to give us a little reminder. At the cross, we learn to die. But as we die, we bear much fruit. At the cross, we learn to hate our lives in this world. But then we get to keep our lives for eternity. Hallelujah. At the cross, we learn to follow Jesus on the road to Calvary and onto that cross. But then, as we do that, we get to join him forever where he is in his glory. And where he is, there we also might be. At the cross, we learn to become servants. And then, according to Jesus, the Father honors us. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org.
God bless you.